strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right. Thank you, Heidi. I appreciate it. Great to, great newscast, Eric. Just wonderful. The big news today, of course, is that the recount has come down. Uh, three races uh, in the state. Uh, were going to recount, automatically triggered uh, for a recount because the races were so tight. Uh, the two big, well, there was District 13 in the House, which was uh, District 13 is part of Chandler, uh, part of Gilbert, Sun Lakes area. Uh, but the two big ones uh, statewide that we're paying close attention to was uh, Tom Horn, Kathy Hoff in the superintendent race, and of course, uh, Chris Mays and Abe uh, Hamaday in the attorney general's race. It, the gap was closed in the case of the attorney general's race by a little bit, but not enough for Hamaday to overcome the 511 uh, votes that he needed to in a recount in order to uh, to be declared the winner. Joining me right now is our political analyst and host of the Think Tank, 6 o'clock, uh, six o'clock on Saturdays here, is uh, Mike O'Neill. And Mike, glad we can get you connected here, my friend. I was talking in the last hour. I, I, I have a feeling that... Th- these politicians may want to rethink their approach when it comes to telling their constituents about the validity of the election process. I, I can't help but feel like it backfired, especially in this close race. Uh, I, I think that's true. Over the long haul, all it does is undermine public confidence. And the difficulty is that running an election is extremely complex. It involves a whole lot of people, a lot of whom are part-time workers. And in every election where you get millions of people voting, some little thing is always going to happen. And it is 99% of the time not nefarious. It's somebody, you know, in in this particular case, the biggest thing was some people uh, uh, jiggered with the settings on the printer and it was not quite right. And uh, so they couldn't instantly count some of the ballots at the precincts. There was nothing nefarious. It didn't change any votes. But if you're prone to think conspiracy, you can impute anything you want into that. Yeah, that seems to be the case is that, uh, and we saw this in the Cary Lake trial, uh, that everything that wasn't, uh, everything that could have been uh, at all suspicious was cast as being nefarious and extra suspicious. I I equated this in the same way to uh, someone who's going through a messy divorce. They tend to nitpick everything that the ex does. Like, well, he was supposed to be there to drop the kids off at six, but he called me at 545 and said he was going to be early. Well, he just doesn't want to spend time with the kids. You know what I mean? It's it's like yes. this extra nitpicky stuff that just doesn't really amount to a hill of beans. Uh, and that's and what I, also, I noticed. There also has been a, a lot of things. Barry Markson has been great on this on Twitter. He's been responding to a whole lot of wild speculations of people thrown out. Well, I think this happens. And his response has been the same, but very droll. Do you have any evidence of this? And no one has yet ever responded. But there are folks out there for whom evidence is not required for them to have suspicions. But for any sane person to take it seriously, you need to have some evidence. And that's what happens when these cases finally go to court. The judge says, well, that's all well and good. What's your evidence of that? 
or in many cases yeah. are very often the, the question is are you alleging that somebody did something deliberately and it's almost always no your honor because if a lawyer lies to a judge they can get in trouble for that yeah real trouble real trouble mike o'neill is our political analyst and also host of the think tank six o'clock on saturdays here on ktar uh, i want to point this out real quick and that is that tom horn's uh, margin of victory over Kathy Hoffman actually grew by 221 votes uh, after the recount was done. Uh, so that is one of those situations where the, the Republican candidate extended the lead as the Republicans in the statewide races, especially in Arizona. And Mike, you and I talked about this uh, shortly after the election was run. We didn't expect to see uh, uh, we didn't expect to see some of the Republicans hang on. They had tight leads, but then some of those late ballots were coming in. We expected to see Kerry Lake uh, overcome the the margin. We expected to see uh, Hamaday overcome the margin, uh, but it didn't. It didn't exactly happen. Now it feels like, and I could be wrong, maybe this is just my own bias because it's such a a close race and so I'm focusing on that close race, but it feels like this is yet another bad day for Republicans in Arizona, which is why I wanted to preface this question by pointing out that Tom Horn actually extended his lead. Does the Arizona Uh, GOP... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. By by interestingly, almost the same amount by which Abe Hamada uh, moved up. He, yes. It wasn't enough for him, but, uh, you know, people get way too excited about most recounts because this 220-vote change is about as big as you ever see, and it still wasn't enough. Obviously, there was some drama in the case of attorney general because it would not have been inconceivable for them to have uh, shifted things by 500. But it would have been very rare, but it would have been possible. When you sure. get into these folks who are 9,000, votes ahead that that lead is not going to change so is there anything that the Arizona GOP takes away from this I know there have been questions about Kelly Ward's leadership I know there have been questions about how they run things is there anything that the statewide party takes away from this especially when it comes to supporting some of these candidates early on who in my opinion just uh, ended up being very weak candidates well, you had uh, you could hardly get more convincing evidence. There were eight offices that were contested on a statewide basis. Four of them were MAGA Trump endorsed candidates. They all lost. The other four were not, and they all won. That's about as clear as it gets. I think we are still a Republican state, but we're not a MAGA state. Uh, I think that became pretty uh, pretty clear this time around. It's interesting you say that you think that we're still a Republican state. Mike O'Neill, our uh, political analyst and host of the Think Tank, 6 o'clock on Saturdays here on KTAR. Uh, Mike, the registrations would indicate that we're a Republican state, but the most recent big elections would indicate that we've turned very purple when you've got you know Mark Kelly winning and you've got Kirsten yep. Sinema winning and, and now the, new, the gubernatorial race and the AG's race. I mean, there have been a lot of really high-profile races here that have gone to the Democrats. So is this a problem of uh, uh, candidate quality on the Republican part or and maybe this is a false premise uh, or is the state uh, shifting to being more purple? This was Uh, the two options I'm offering. Both of those things happen to be true. We are definitely getting closer and closer, but it is also definitely uh, a question of candidate quality. Mitch, Mitch McConnell himself, the Republican leader, said that was our problem this time. And uh, essentially, however, we're still at a point where a generic Republican beats a generic Democrat. But uh, a Democrat who is a demonstrably better chance on a statewide level now has a real chance to win. And that's what's been happening.
Yeah, and I, and I guess we've seen that play out uh, a couple of times. I still think if we look back at some of these other races, that some of the Republicans that have run have just not been, uh, you know, really solid Republicans. Uh, Wendy Rogers was not, not you know, that, that cream of the crop candidate. Uh, you know, Mark Fincham was not a cream of the crop candidate. Carrie Lake, not the, what I thought, I don't believe Carrie Lake was the best candidate to face off in the general election if you're looking at, you know, maintaining party control. Uh, I just don't think that the that the candidates that have the best chance of winning in the general are making it through the primaries. Do voters take note of these things, or is this something where the the the, the party leadership itself really needs to evaluate where they are and sort of educate the voters or steer the voters in one direction or another? Well, I think that the, the voters do notice at the margins now. When you have this, because the statewide margin has become closer for Republicans, it's possible for a Democrat to make a case and win. As I said, I still think a generic Republican beats a generic Democrat. But uh, the real issue for the Republican Party is party leaders usually view their job as winning elections. I think Kelly Ward has seen herself as the head of a movement rather than really being the head of a party. And and witness some of the statements like uh, Carrie Lake, Charlie, well, if you're a McCain Republican, you can, you can take a walk. That's stupid. That is political yeah. <laughs> suicide. And you just don't, you, you just don't invite potential supporters to leave. That's the, that's the recipe for losing. Now there are exceptions. Now, when you're running in uh in the legislature, we've got 30 districts, and probably 25 of them are so solid that, that all, for one party or another, that almost anybody can win, even an extremist candidate. But in those right. five other districts, and in statewide cases, uh, in statewide races, that's not the case. We saw this play out to some degree in other states as well. Georgia comes to mind immediately, where I think that the the candidate choice for the Republicans was just not strong. And what is, I think, also an even redder state than Arizona uh, is Georgia. Uh, but running Herschel Walker was just not. Uh, not great in the general, or I guess he, uh, he ran in their, you know, their, their primary runoff and then their runoff rather. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, how does the party? And, and I'm talking about the Republicans in this case, because the Democrats don't mm-hmm. seem to have the same uh, issue of extremism. How do they take your your Trump wing, your MAGA wing, hang on to them, but then also usher the MAGA wing in with some of the more mainstream Republicans? Is there a middle ground, or is that what? party completely divided? <laughs> Uh, the party certainly is divided right now. Uh, if I had an answer for them, I'd, I'd run the Republican Party. <laughs> that, is, that, is, that, is, that is a fabulous question. I just don't, don't have an easy answer for it. I think it's soul-searching on part of the Republican Party's Party. They have to say, do we want to – are we content to be this MAGA wing – that's going to lose most elections, or do we want to moderate a little bit and start winning elections again? That's that's a soul-searching question about which there is currently not agreement in the Republican Party. Yeah, and that includes both leadership and the voting blocks as well. Yes. Really interesting. Yes. Mike, love talking to you. Always love talking to you. I, I could sit here and ramble on for an awful long time. Uh, Mike O'Neill is our political analyst. He's also the host of the Think Tank, 6 o'clock on Saturdays. Can't wait until this weekend. Mike, thank you so much for your time. Have a wonderful day. 
Anytime. Take care. Yeah, all right. Great. We will uh, we'll talk. Uh, I wanted to talk about this a little earlier, but we'll get to it here. It's one that uh, you heard discussed throughout the morning on our news, uh, and that is there's a parking scam going on. That ticket you got may be bogus. It's next. We'll have your news flash in a moment. Chris Merrill in for Mike Broomhead, KTAR. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, we'll give you an update in uh, just a little bit here, uh, about seven minutes on the recall election, the final numbers coming in. And those that we believed won after the initial election uh, maintain uh, their leads and uh, will will serve uh, as the... Attorney General in the case of Chris Mays as the uh, the superintendent in the case of uh, Tom Horn and uh, Liz Harris, uh, Republican for District 13, uh, wins uh, in that uh, re-election, holds on to the lead in the re-election as well. Uh, more on that coming up here in just a little bit. I did think this was an interesting story because I've seen this happen in other uh, places. Uh, I believe it was in Sacramento that I saw that a 19-year-old was arrested for doing uh, this. Ran across that story last week. I was doing some work for a California station. And, uh, and all of a sudden I see this popping up uh, in in Old Town Scottsdale, and I thought, uh-oh, it's yet another uh, another uh, influence from California. This one, not so great, and that is that parking ticket you've got may not be legit. Let me see. Old Town Scottsdale is a scammer's new playground, Uh-oh. targeting parked vehicles with fake citations. But Scottsdale police wants people to question a parking ticket before paying up, just in case it's a scam. The red flags that we're warning people on would be a QR code where it only says you can take care of the citation by paying it. That's not true. And other red flags would be no violation listed whatsoever. We're told the QR code on the fake ticket takes people straight to a payment page where their information is stolen. Yeah, uh, those tickets have to be pretty specific. Here's what you did wrong. Here's when you did it wrong. Here's where you did it wrong. And here's how you can appeal that. And if that's not on the ticket, it's not a real ticket. An authentic citation will have this on it, the city's seal. It will also include a specific citation number with the option to contest the ticket. And if you happen to receive a parking citation and something seems off about it, you can can have it verified by calling the Scottsdale PD's records unit at 480-312-1990. What was the number again? I missed it. So you can have it verified that way. And if that was a little too fast for you to jot down, don't worry. We do have that posted for you on our As Seen on TV tab on azfamily.com. Now you are asked to wait at least 24 hours after receiving a parking citation before making that call. Reporting live in Scottsdale, Casey Torres for Arizona's Family. Thank you, Casey Torres. Uh, Appreciate it. It is a scummy thing for people to do, putting out the fake tickets. Because, first of all, you think you did something wrong, or you think you didn't do anything wrong, and that just irritates you. Uh, and then the, they're not just taking your money, right? You're not just paying. It's not like you're going to pay a $15 fee, and they just stole $15 from you. No, now they've got your credit card info. And that's that's really where the big scam piles up here, and it gets ugly fast. Really fast. Because i got to tell you, if I got a parking ticket and I went to the site and it was like 10 or $15, I'd probably pay it and just say, put this behind me. But the fact that they have my credit card information, not great. So I guess you have to make that uncomfortable call and ask, did I really do something wrong? Yeah, I hate that. 
but there's enough there's enough dirty people out there. You actually have to verify that you're <laughs> in violation somehow. Good news for many Arizona workers. First of the year means you get a raise. Next, Chris Maryland for Mike Broomhead, KTAR. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. All right, you want more than what Heidi just gave you for your news? We've got a news expansion coming up here on uh, KTAR, so stick around. You'll get that. Chris Maryland from Mike Broomhead, KTAR. The first of the year means a bump for a number of people in Arizona, which is good. I think it's good. I always get into arguments with people when it comes to minimum wage. There seem to be some very strong feelings about minimum wage from people that don't make minimum wage. Taking a closer look, Arizona's minimum wage will be the sixth highest in the nation in 2023, with four states above $15 an hour. We're one of 27 states where the minimum wage is going up in the new year. Most of those increases by one or two dollars. Fifteen states have the federal minimum wage of seven twenty-five an hour. That rate hasn't changed since two thousand nine. Yeah, if you adjust for inflation, the uh, seven twenty-five minimum wage is something like five seventy-five or something like that. It's due. We're due to see a federal minimum wage increase, but uh, with the Republicans taking over control of Congress, I don't think it's going to happen in the next two years. Seems like a long shot. Arizona's minimum wage going up to thirteen eighty-five, up from twelve eighty, uh, which means uh, the minimum wage going up about eight and a half percent, roughly the rate of inflation. Whenever. People complain about minimum wage, and they say, well, minimum wage shouldn't go up. Minimum wage is this. Minimum wage is that. You can't raise minimum wage. It becomes a problem. Here's, I guess my standpoint is this. My viewpoint is this. And I, I believe me, I understand the arguments. The concern is that if you raise minimum wage, that it's going to then create inflation. But what happens if you have inflation without raising minimum wage? Well, if you raise minimum wage, it's only going to make inflation even worse, they say. Okay, but why do we have the minimum wage in the first place then? And for many people, they say we need to get rid of it altogether. Let the free market completely decide. That's That's a logically consistent argument. I give you credit for that. I don't know that it's the right solution, but it is a logically consistent argument. The reason I don't think it's the right solution is that only encourages those that have the money to give even less of it to those that don't have the money. And by give less, I mean pay less. In other words, if I can get somebody to do the job for $3, then why wouldn't I pocket the additional 10 bucks for their hour of work? Right. So you end up creating a larger divide between the haves and the have-nots. And I think that sometimes, and this is my fault for buying into that too, and that is that when we start talking about the haves versus the have-nots and the divide between those that have and those that have not, what we what we really are doing is talking about the shrinking middle class. And the middle class is the strength of this country. And so I just believe when you get – when you start – when you start saying people need to work for less money, what you're saying is there need to be fewer people – growing in the middle class. 
because the money is still going to go somewhere. If there's still growth in the economy and it's the people who are doing a bunch of the work are not seeing that growth, then who is seeing the growth? Because the people who are not making the money are the ones that are feeling the hurt from inflation more than anyone else. In Arizona, we've done a good job. Inflation has been very high, about 8.5%. And so our minimum wage is keeping up with that. That's great. That's excellent. That's the way it should be. Too many states, like Texas, uh, they go, well, inflation's seven and a quarter. Federal, the federal, uh, uh, federal minimum wage was set to, at seven and a quarter. That's what it is. So that's what we're going to be. Well, what ends up happening now is that you have a bunch of people in Dallas and Fort Worth and San Antonio and Austin that are working at seven and a quarter. And they were working at seven and a quarter in 2009. Now, hopefully the same people are not still making minimum wage. But the people that were making seven and a quarter in 2009 were making more money than the people making seven and a quarter in 2023. The reason they're making more money is because your buying power has decreased with inflation. As the value of the dollar decreases, even though the numbers are the same, the actual buying power, the value of that 725 has decreased. And in Arizona, we're doing a good job of trying to make sure that the buying power remains the same for those, I don't know, some are essential workers, some are trained workers, you know, training wage workers, whatever it might be. But we are, we're trying to keep up with the inflation. Good. Good. I get so tired of some of these other states. California is a great example of how you'll have uh, the politicians will say, well, we got to pay 15 an hour. I was working in San Diego back in 2012 and they were screaming about this $15 an hour, $15 an hour. That was 10 years ago. So when the federal minimum wage is seven and a quarter and you have people screaming that it should be $15 an hour. Well, that was double what the minimum wage was just adjusted to. And it seemed out, outlandish. It would be like Arizona's minimum wage is going up to thirteen eighty five, right? And it'd be like if I came out and said, no, minimum wage needs to be $25. You go, whoa, hang on here. I got a little sticker shock now. If the minimum wage is going up to thirteen eighty five, but you're screaming it needs to be 25 whoa, where are you coming up with that number? And that's how it felt when California back in 2012 was pushing for $15 an hour. Well, slowly they started to accomplish that, and in large part because it's so expensive to live there, especially in the Bay Area, uh, and the market was recovering after you know the, the recession and then the, the kind of the dip in 2011. Uh, so it started to recover, and they they started pushing for some local minimum wages, and that had happened in the Bay Area. Then it trickled down to, to uh, Los Angeles, and eventually the rest of the state said, "Okay, we're going to raise minimum wage, and it's going to be incremental. So it'll go up to you know 13 one one year, 14." And then 15 right, to finally get to it. But then as soon as it gets to $15 an hour, you already have politicians that are saying, it needs to be $20 an hour. It needs to be $25 an hour. So they're starting the next fight that they know may take another 10 years. They're starting it now. Whereas if you just tag your minimum wage and a number of other uh, expenses uh, on, your, on your ledger, you just tag that to an index, consumer price index, uh, in the case of minimum wages, consumer price index is a great way that you can kind of tag that along or whatever that inflation rate is, you know, wherever that is. So that your your minimum wage remains the same, and it should, just like we do with school funding, or at least we, we're supposed to do with school funding, where we say, here is our school funding rate. And so if inflation goes up 8.5%, we need to fund the schools an additional 8.5%, which only makes sense because our taxes are based on a percentage, right? We don't. We don't pay uh, uh, 
eight cents. We pay eight cents a dollar or whatever, wherever you are. Your sales tax is going to vary based on wherever you are in the valley. But we pay a percentage. It translates out to eight cents a dollar. But if if the thing that I'm buying, if I'm spending a hundred dollars, I'm going to pay eight dollars in taxes on it, right? Well, what if the thing I'm buying all of a sudden goes up to being a hundred ten dollars, a hundred twenty dollars? I'm still paying 8% or, again, whatever the, the local rate is. So taxes are based on a percentage. Doesn't it only make sense that the, thing we're spent, the things that we spend our taxes on should also be based on percentages? Of course it does. But that, that negates your ability to have political fights. It's far too logical for the politicians to buy onto, let's tag our, our costs to an index so that... As the price of goods goes up, as we start collecting more sales tax, or as property values increase and we're collecting more property tax, uh, whatever it is, then we've got the, the tax revenue that we can spend on these other things, and we continue to maintain the same the same expenses as we do revenues. No, nope, nobody wants to do that. I'll give Arizona credit. We do it better than just about anywhere else I've ever lived. And look, when you work in my business, you live in a few different places. And uh, Arizona does a pretty good job of that. Now... That is, of course, if they follow through on those commitments and they don't decide that they're just going to stop paying teachers for a while because we hit a recession. Right. And then the teachers have to sue for it. And then we have to we have to uh, red for ed for a while in order to make sure that uh, people get the money that they're supposed to have based on the laws. Makes perfect sense. 2023 is coming. I know you're hopeful. At the end of every year, people say, oh, I'm so glad to put this year behind me and I can't wait for next year. It is Turning the page in the next chapter always brings hope. Hope springs eternal. I'm going to ruin that for you. Next, Chris Merrill in for Mike Broomhead on KTAR. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, Chris Merrill in for Broomhead, KTAR. Great to be with you. Be back again tomorrow as well. Uh, do want to remind you, Barry Markson is going to have analysis of the recount and the numbers that came in. You heard Heidi talking about that. Big deal. As we did see the numbers shift by more than 200 in the statewide races. Uh, that's pretty sizable. Uh, pretty sizable. Still, uh, it was not enough for either of the underdogs or the trailers to overcome the uh, the vote margin. In the case of Abe Hamaday, uh, he was not able to overcome the 511 votes. He was able to narrow that down to about 280, but Chris Mays still is victorious as the attorney general. And then Tom Horn actually extended his lead by about 221 votes uh, over uh, Kathy Hoffman in the race for the state superintendent. So um, that's uh, that's kind of your brief recap of what happened. Now now it's time for the uh, the political analysts uh, uh, to to tell you what went wrong and for the uh, the party pundits to gnash their teeth about things. All right, new years come. It always seems to welcome in the worst, doesn't it? Come to talk with you again. I guess maybe I'm just more of a cynic. Uh, yeah, total cynic. Whenever a new year begins, people say, well, it can't be worse than the last one. But yeah, it can. It always can. And when people were saying at the end of 2020, they wanted 2021 to come, and they said, well, it can't be any worse than it was. <laughs> we'll put 2020 behind us. 2021 can't be any worse. And then five days later, we had uh, Americans attacking the Capitol. 
So be careful what you wish for. You're sure 2022 was a downer of a year. Every year it comes down to this. And if you didn't, good for you. I always appreciate people that get to the end of the year and they go, this is a pretty good year. I like that. I do. I think 2022 was all right. Maybe, you know, maybe better for some than others. Maybe not great for you. But 2022 overall was, was all right. But 2023 is going to start with a couple of real boogers. Real boogers. Remember, 2022 was the year that Bill Cosby got out of prison uh, because an appeals court found that there was, I don't want to say technicality, but basically there was an error in his trial. So he got out. He was supposed to be doing over 10 years for rape. Nope, he gets out. So now what is the cause up to? You'd think that Bill Cosby would sort of want to fade into the sunset. But no, that's not exactly what he did. He He doesn't necessarily want to fade into the sunset. Turns out Bill Cosby wants to start doing stand up again. No, Bill, no, Bill, just disappear. L.A. Times disgraced comedian Bill Cosby eyeing a return to performing in 2023, despite recent accusations of sexual assault from multiple women. No, not the ones that he was tried for already. There are more accusations now coming out. In a 15-minute interview with an internet radio station out of Marion, Ohio, Well, he's hit the big time now. The 85-year-old said that he feels like he'll be able to perform and be the Bill Cosby that many audience in person knows me to be. Uh, When the host asked whether uh, this would be the year for Cosby's return, he said, yes, yes, because there's so much fun to be had in the storytelling that I do. It's tragic to me. Whether it's Fat Albert or whether it was his stand-up stuff, I loved Bill Cosby. I did. I felt betrayed by Bill Cosby. And he says, oh, there's so much fun to be had. There is. And he's probably one of the greatest storytellers of all time. But that I can't see through the stories when I know what a horrible person he is. They don't offset each other. There's just not enough. So now 2023 is starting out with Bill Cosby hitting the comedy circuit. <laughs> we have seen a continued shift in commerce as well. 2023 is likely to see more of that same shift from brick-and-mortar stores to more online buying. And the formulas that worked for brick-and-mortar stores in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, even into the 2000s, fading. Remember the days when we used to go stand in line the night before for a Black Friday sale? There were doorbusters that we thought were so ridiculous as people would trample one another. They would fight over material items. We thought, wow, commercialism is is killing humanity. And then we said, well, great. Now we can just do it all online. Nobody has to trample each other. And now we're starting to see those brick-and-mortar stores closing, and people say, ah, e-commerce is killing jobs. It's ruining humanity. Well, there's no winning. Stores that they say may not make it. Bed Bath & Beyond, they say, may uh, come to a close. They're closing about 150 stores, laying off 20% of their workers. They need to save about $250 million in the next fiscal year. Uh, their sales continue to, to decline. So will Bed Bath & Beyond still be around 2024? Hard to say. Joanne Fabrics, another one that may not be around. Party City, they keep seeing a, a bunch of falling sales as well. 
Other places that they say may not stick around uh, after 2023, I was a little surprised to see this one. The third largest pharmacy in the nation is Rite Aid. Seems Walgreens and CVS are spanking Rite Aid's butt. They have uh, debt now that totals about $3 billion, and they also expect to lose $200 million. They're closing a bunch of stores as well. So, again, 2023 may just be the, the end of some of these iconic brands and the beginning of Bill Cosby's return. I feel icky all over. I feel like I may need to head over to Party City just to cheer myself up. I got to do it while I can, right? Light them while I got them. Indeed. Thanks for hanging out with me. I will be back again tomorrow to help you wrap up the the year. Hopefully something a little more uplifting to start 2023. We'll do that. uh, tomorrow's program. Been a pleasure being in for, your, uh, for uh, Mike Broomhead. Great guy. Glad he could have a little bit of vacation time here at the end of the year. Uh, and he'll be back next week as well. We've got a news expansion and as well as uh, Dave Ramsey uh, in just a sec here. Uh, been a pleasure. Talk to you again tomorrow. Chris Merrill, KTAR.